Welcome to Encounter. We want nothing more than to help you find and follow Jesus. If you're a college student in Central Illinois, head to isuencounter.org or download our student app to learn about all that's happening here. Thanks for listening. Good evening. Good evening. It's been a lot of fun. Love being here with you guys. It's just been great. Um, I just want to point out a couple things. First is, there's a lot of people, I know this has already been mentioned, but there are a lot of people giving up a lot of time. And I know people who are over this weekend are giving up nine hours, come here early, like cooking, emptying trash, all that stuff um, to serve you guys. Um, so just, just it's a good thing to, to be aware and just notice the people who are being the hands and feet um, of Christ for you guys. Um, and then my family's here. Could I ask you guys to stand? Could you stand up? Come on. Thanks. Yes. Thank you. Um, glad they were able to make it out. Um, for those of you who, if this is your first, if you, uh, this is the first session that you've been at, we are looking at um, the parable of the sower. And there's four soils that represent the different heart statuses. And we looked at the, uh, the path, which is the hard heart, um, the one that, that does not just at all allow God's word to change them, the rocky soil, which is those that uh, fall away at difficulty. Um, and then today we're going to look at the weeds. And this is a hard one. Um, not that they're not all hard, uh, but this one is, it's the, it's the one that is called uh, the deceitful one. Um, so let's read the passage uh, from Luke chapter 8. We're going to be in Luke 8, and we're going to read verses 4 through 15. So Luke 8, verses 4 through 15. And when a great crowd was gathering, and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, A sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds in the air, the birds of the air, devoured it. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while, and in time of testing, fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart, and bear fruit with patience. Let's pray. Lord, would you help us to hear your word, to receive it with joy, 
Father, I ask that um, for any of us who are carrying burdens or distractions in our heart and mind this evening, that you would help us to trust you with those, that we would cast those cares upon you and um, receive what you have to say and trust that your way is good. In Christ's name we pray, amen. So the section we're going to focus on tonight is, uh, I'm going to have them uh, put the Luke and Matthew version on the screen. The Luke 8.14 says, and it's, For what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. And then Matthew, the one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. Um, Do you guys know how weeds kill plants? I learned this a little bit, not like a couple years ago. It's fascinating. They don't attack them. They don't touch them. They just take the nutrients. Weeds kill. It's a long, slow death without any direct attack at all. And that's the illustration that Jesus uses for those, for the sucking out of life that wealth can bring. He calls it the deceitfulness of riches, the deceitfulness of wealth. Why is it so why is it so deceitful? Well it's so nice. It's so pleasant. It's the opposite of the rocky soil. So when we when we have suffering, it's a very clear, direct attack. There's no um, there's no confusion as to whether or not you're suffering. It is very clear. But it is not clear when our hearts, when the nutrients for our hearts are just being sucked away by riches. And that's why all of us have to be very aware of this because there isn't a direct attack. There's, um, in the Jesus does not speak things without intention. He uses this, uh, this little phrase in the, in the Luke version where he says, as they go on their way. In other words, it just goes with them. It's not stopping. It just goes with them and, and sucks it out. They don't even know what's happening. They're just going along life. And those, that life is being sucked out. Um, and we don't see it because it's not like suffering where you are, you're recognizing, oh, like suffering, I think it challenges whether or not God actually loves us. But then riches and pleasure, they challenge whether or not we even need God's love. We're like, I'm going along my way and I don't really feel like I really need God's love at all. And sometimes it's without actual clear overt sins. It's just that the fruit, there's nothing to grow. Some of you have probably seen this firsthand. Um, Sadly, probably some of you have suffered the effects of of parents who um, have pursued wealth at all costs. 
or maybe if not your own family, you've seen it in the lives of others, of people who haven't intentionally jumped headfirst into specific sins, but there's no fruit because their life is just about pursuing money. Um, I saw a really interesting uh, interview with Mark Cuban a while ago, and uh, he was talking about how it bugs him when like billionaires complain about how hard it is to be rich or whatever. And he said, the one downside is this. He said, it's fantastic. I, you know, I, I get all the stuff I want whenever I want. He said, the one downside is this. Is it quite insightful? He said, one day, it's all going to be gone. The day's going to come where, where it's just going to be gone. But until that time happens, it seems pretty nice. And I think this is... Just from my perspective and the thing, it's what I've seen, I think this, of the three bad soils, this might be the most uh, prominent in American Christianity, which makes it then even harder because it's like, well, every, you know, everybody else around me is okay with this, so it must be okay too. Um, I heard a, a quote a long time ago um, from a, a woman who had grown up in this, like the Soviet Union and all the persecution there, and she said, in the Soviet Union, we are tested by our suffering. In America, you're tested by your ease. And we don't know it. We know when suffering comes, this is a test, this is a challenge, but we don't even recognize that the ease is a test that we are failing and it costs us. Um, I have, have taught Bible for many years and... I have a lot of kids who come in who know the word. They've, they've gone to church their whole life. They have gone to Cornerstone. They have heard the word. And I want to be clear on, so I want to be clear about what group I'm talking about. So of the kids who would consider themselves Christians and know the Bible, not once in 10 years has a student pushed back or child, like really questioned what the Bible says about like having sex with someone that's not your spouse. It's pretty clear. They know that. Or, you know, like getting drunk or murder or those kinds of things. Like, yeah, maybe a non-Christian, okay, or maybe there's some issues where we'll have, but nobody like has ever in 10 years pushed back and said, wait, why can't, why is it wrong? They know that. I have had students who have gone to church their whole life, who, have re- who they know the word, who when they read what the Bible says about pursuing and, and wanting to be rich, they have said, what? Why is that wrong? Because it's, so, it's such an easy thing. And I was shocked the first time. I was like, wait a minute. We need to take some time on this. Um, but it's such a prevalent thing. So what does it look like? There's some, there's, I want to go to the passage, 1 Timothy 6. 1 Timothy 6, because if you might be sitting in this room and this is you, but you say, well, I don't say that um, I love money, therefore this isn't me. But 1 Timothy 6 uses some phrases in the same passage that are, they're challenging. So let's start with chapter, verse 6. It says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. P. 
people who want to get rich. This is, these are not my words. People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. I mean, we could, we could just read that over and over and be like, we had a lot to think about. Because we'll go to the love of money and say, oh, I don't love money. Do you want to get rich? Are you eager for money? It's okay to be rich. Now, I don't have a, we don't have a whole lot of time. Okay, so if you are in this room and you are rich, that's okay. That is not the problem, and, and there are many pastors that talk about that. That is okay. So I don't want anybody here who's like, oh, I am, this is, this is talking about me. No. In fact, you can be poor and be eager for money. You can be rich and eager for money. It is the heart status. But we just do not talk about this that much. And, uh, and people, you can want to be rich, you can love money, and attend church and be totally fine. In the, uh, in the eyes of other people. But it's like a weed. It just slowly sucks the spiritual life out of you. Now it can lead to like, you know, people do absolutely, literally anything for money. Literally anything. But within Christianity, it's, it's like, well, we're not doing the, we're not like going out and doing actively bad things to get money. But we're okay with this heart status in general from my experience and even in my own life. This is a struggle for all of us. Like I said earlier, I'm preaching to myself as much as I'm preaching to you guys. Some of you are either this soil or the weeds are being planted right now. You're in a time where you're making decisions about your life. It is not wrong to make a decision that, that you know will end up some of you are going to make a lot of money, and that is okay. You know, hey, this is, this is what I want to do, and I am very aware that I will likely be rich as a result of it. That's okay. That's okay. And we're going to talk about at the end what we do with that. But if you are making your daily and big life decisions, big and little ones, with the mindset of, I want to be rich, then you have a problem. I've had students who have said, who, who we have, you know, what do you want to do with your life? If I've never had a student say, uh, what do you want to do with life? Yeah, I just want to sleep with whoever I want. Nobody's ever said that. Yeah, I just want to get plastered. Nobody ever says that. I have had students without a hesitation. Yeah, I just want to be rich. Well, you probably will, but you're headed for destruction. So you have to look, you're at that stage of life where you're, you're taking responsibility for yourself. You're asking, like, what is important to me? And this, you have to ask yourself, is my life geared toward just being rich? Um, sorry, a little bit of pass there. There we go. There is a tough aspect here. So in the... Um, in the Luke or Matthew one, he uses the phrase cares and pleasures of this life. And honestly, that, like, that might, that's a little bit tougher. So 
I had a student ask this week, like, where's the line between enjoying something as a blessing from God and it becoming idolatry? And I've thought about this a lot. And my answer is, I don't know. I don't know. Um, there's a lot of things in life I, I enjoy. I love sports. We played spike ball. That was so much fun. I love that. I learned after 10 minutes, I am twice these guys' age, and it's not fair. But it was a lot of fun. I love ultimate Frisbee, even though every last two summers, after three weeks, my knee messes up, and I got to sit the rest of the year out. I like video games. Can I get a shout-out for Tears of the Kingdom? Anybody here? Thank you. Yes, yes. It is, it's, I mean, it would actually work well. Uh, my knee was swelling up, and so I would go to work during the summer. This is a rabbit trail. Um, my, I would go to work during the summer. I'd be done. My knee would be swelling. Well, what do you have to do if your knee's swelling? You've got to sit on the couch, and you've got to ice it for a while. So we'd all be on the couch, and I'd be playing Tears of the Kingdom, and my children would be helping me or telling me, getting frustrated me at failing, uh, killing monsters or whatever it is. Um, and, and that was fun. That was fun. Which, if you want to talk to, you know, my wife plays Tears of the Kingdom. Nora plays Tears of the Kingdom. Isaac did for a while, but he's into Rubik's Cubes. You can talk about that if you like Rubik's Cubes. But there's a, le- I'm not kidding. There's a ge- legitimate question of like, where's, where's the line? I love fall. I love fall. I love, you know, sitting outside in a fall day. And we have like a little patio thing. We have an old TV on the wall. And we sit and, wa- sit and watch football. Like that is... I love that. You might love sports, whatever. Where's the line between something, enjoying a blessing of, from God and it becoming a weed in your life? I don't know. But you, the biggest thing is, are you aware? Are you ready for the time when a good thing becomes a weed and you check your heart and you don't allow it to be a weed that sucks out the spiritual fruit from your life? I had a, uh, there was a guy we knew a long time ago and he was talking to us when we were your age and he was very wealthy. God had, his business had been very successful and he was wealthy by Bloomington standards, okay? And yeah, and um, he said, the greatest struggle in my life is how I use my money. Now, now here's the thing. That, that's the right attitude of like, I recognize this can, de- this can destroy if I am not careful. And you can, you can be wealthy according to Bloomington standards and have that mindset. You can be poor according to Bloomington standards and you still have to have that mindset. So, if this is you, what does God say? We're going to look at a pa- some passages. Um, first, first one is Luke 9. 23. Basically, the, mind, the, the truth here is it's just not worth it. It is not worth loving money. Then he said to them all, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will save it. And here's the point. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit his very self. You know how some people answer that? What good is it? Oh, it's worth it. A lot of people, oh, it's, it's worth it to gain the whole world and lose your own soul. The second passage, Luke 16, 
focus here is you have to choose one master. Maybe this is one of the hardest things is we want to choose two. We want, um, and I think in all of this, all the soil conversation, we have to ask ourselves, do I actually want God's word to bring fruit in my life? So if you do, you cannot have that happen and love money. You have to choose what you are choosing one. Luke 16, no servant can serve two masters for he will either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in money. As you get older, you're serving one of those. Look at your time. Look at, look at your focus. You are serving God or money. You can't serve both. And side note, you might... You might need to go to other people who know you and say, what are you seeing in me? Next one. It's good to long for wealth. It's just you got to long for the right one, the right kind. Jesus offers wealth to you. Um, Matthew 13, 44 through 45. Two parables. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy he went and sold all he had and bought that field. So I don't, this treasure, man, it's going to end up, I, don't want, I want this better one, so I'm going to give that one up to go after this one. Same concept, verse 45. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Value, excuse me. Value's relative. I still don't understand Bitcoin because I talked to my brothers basically like, why is it valuable? Well, because people think it's valuable. Okay, okay. Well, the only reason that people think money and all that stuff is valuable is because we think it's valuable. Once we realize it is not actually that valuable and there's a more valuable kingdom there and we value that, that's what we'll go after. And then, just to repeat, if you love money and you are seeking to be rich, um, often kids are like, well, what do you mean by rich? What do you mean by rich? I don't really care about defining it. We know, we know it, right? It's the person that says, yeah, I want to be rich. I'm eager for money. Okay, well, then that's you. You are slowly and pleasantly headed for destruction. It's going to be a nice ride until it's over. And you will never feel the attack. So you have to look for it. Even if the Christians around you are okay with it, and that is something you have to be careful of. With all of Scripture, do not judge. We've talked to all... Wow, it feels like a long time. It's only been a day. Um, We've talked all day uh, about receiving God's Word and being honest about what impact is this having on me. It doesn't matter what the people around you are doing. You have to have that mindset of, if this is what God's word says about riches, it doesn't matter if my friends are going to, or whatever it is, this is what the fruit that I want is that my heart longs for a greater treasure. So, just a couple thoughts on how you change. Actively treasure Jesus' kingdom. Value that. And remind yourself of that regularly. The things of this world their value is going to end. 
the value of the kingdom is worth giving up those things for that kingdom. And then this one, when I wrote it, sounds a little weird. So I'm weed daily. Weed the verb, okay? Weed daily. Just want to clarify that one, okay? Um, in other words, uh, any, raise your hand if you like to garden or farm or like grow things outside. I know my wife does, yes. Okay. You don't just go out once and then pluck the weeds and then you're done. You never have to worry about it. You have to do it all the time. All the time. Just like the person that I referenced earlier. The greatest struggle is their money. It has to be at the forefront of your mind of making sure that that does not take hold. It's not just your money, though. It's your time. Because as I was thinking about this, you know, there's, there's a lot of Christians, and the tendency is there for all of us, to say, well, I'm not going after money, but the cares and the pleasure of this world, the pleasures of this world, are, are taking the life out. And often, that's time. And this is a hard one. Um, I am not saying this to like say that I'm an example or anything. It's one of those things where it's like when you, when you, when you see God's word true, you want to tell other people like, hey, this is true, right? So over the past few years, we as a family just had more time and in trying to be more intentional about building relationships with those times, it's been a treasure. I wouldn't, I, I love it. It's wonderful. Of having time for people. Now I get there are, there are busy times of life. You guys, I don't want to make anybody feel bad of like, oh, well, I'm, I got a lot going on. There are seasons of life where, where that's a legitimate thing, right? But even in the, the things that you're busy with, make sure that you're using your time as a tr- that you're in that time you're seeking after the treasure of God's kingdom. It isn't just your money. You can, and Christians can fill their time up. And then when you look at your time, every year um, in one of our classes, I have the students do a pie chart of where their time goes. So honestly, it's pretty sad. Um, and some of that's out of their control. Some of that's their control. But we fill our time with things and often we focus on the money part of the treasure, but we don't look and we ask ourselves, if I look at my time, what does that say I treasure? Does that say that I'm treasuring the kingdom and I'm treasuring people and I'm treasuring discipleship and I'm treasuring my own growth? Or does it show that I am treasuring the cares of this world? And that is a, another really legitimate one. Like sports, the things I talked about earlier, like you know, how much time do we put into those things and where does it become an idol? I don't know. Just be aware. But recognize that you can reveal your treasure with your money and with your time. We're going to read a weird parable. This will be the last uh, thing that we read. But beforehand, um, I want to explain it a little bit. There's this guy who's going to lose his job. And so he uses that position that is temporary to set up a better later. And the point is, use the stuff here that's not going to last for eternity. 
So let's read Luke 16, verses 1 through 8. He also said to the disciples, There was a rich man who had a manager, and charges were brought to him that this man was wasting his possessions. And he called him and said to him, What is this that I hear about you? Turn in the account of your management, for you can no longer be manager. And the manager said to himself, What shall I do, since my master is taking the management away from me? I'm not strong enough to dig, and I'm ashamed to beg. I've decided what to do, so that when I am removed from my management, people may receive me into their houses. So, summoning his master's debtors one by one, he said to the first, How much do you owe owe my master? He said, A hundred measures of oil. He said to him, Take your bill, sit down quickly, and write fifty. Then he said to another, How much do you owe? He said, A hundred measures of wheat. He said to him, Take your bill and write eighty. The master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness, for the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. And I tell you, and here's the point, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth, in other words, the wealth of this world, so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. Use Satan's weeds against him. Beat him in his own game. Have the mindset of, I'm going to, my time and my money that can be these idols that suck away all the life and the fruit, I'm going to take my time, I'm going to take money, and I'm going to use those for a kingdom that is never going to pass away. Let's pray. Father, would you give us patient endurance? Would you help us to never tire of seeking after your kingdom? Father, I pray for wisdom for these young men and young women as they, they're in a difficult time of life. They're making life-changing decisions that they might not even realize are life-changing. Would you help them to pursue your kingdom? We pray for those that are rich, end up being rich or poor, that they would use their resources, their time, their money for your kingdom, and that through that, people would, would ask, what are you doing with your life? How can you be so generous? What kingdom are you living for? We thank you for your word. Would you give us open hearts to receive it? In Christ's name we pray. encounter and ways to get involved at isuencounter.org.